What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Martian and Ozzy podcast. I'm the Martian, joined by my co-host, as always, Ozzy. This week, we got a really solid UFC fight night going down from Austin, Texas. 14 fights going down. I'm excited for these matchups. I'm sure you are as well, Ozzy. How are we doing this week, my man? Uh, sweating my balls off uh, every day, all day. You know, summer's here. Gemini season is coming to a close. You know, not here, here now soon. Um, and yeah, you know, that was a cool last event. Pretty entertaining overall. Um, obviously, I'm a big Yuri uh, Stan. That's uh, the be- greatest UFC fighter, in my opinion, right now. Uh, the fact that they have him tied with Dustin Poirier on the pound for pound list is insane. Um, and you, you know, you saw what he did. But uh, yeah, that was an epic fight, and uh, we'll roll it on to a non non pay per view, uh, you know, fight night event, which I, I like, or uh, non apex fight night event i should say. yeah i did pretty bad on the betting front last event but it, you know you cannot deny that it was an epic event you know incredible uh you know good prelims honestly a lot of back and forth fights and then of course the main card delivered in in you know really epic fashion so mahashate mahashate Na- i mean out. nasty ko's left and right i mean uh, uh the the matthews ko the shate the the zang ko uh, you know, Santos definitely got robbed. She won the first three rounds. I mean, I think it's crazy, Ozzy, that people out there are scoring the fight for Chevchenko. Uh, but who 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 fucking knows, bro? We- yeah, I mean, I, I could see giving her maybe like maybe one of those rounds, but I mean, just the judging doesn't make sense. Like the fight that I always go back to is if Corey Sanhagen and TJ fought now, it would be like unanimous, like 49, 46, I don't know. It would be unanimous for Corey Sanhagen, but I can't make sense of the judging. Um, you get, you know, these weird scorecards all the time. Um, and, yeah, so that is definitely something to take into account and maybe lighten up on the wagers because, you know, something needs to get figured out with the judging, whether it be the interpretation of it on our end or the interpretation of it on their end because I'm not really following it there well very well yeah i mean if, if you're on the spaces where we do uh we do live spaces for every card talking about the fights it, it's like every week we're talking about a decision that makes no sense and we're trying to wrap our heads around it and i mean we try to put ourselves in the the shoes of the judges and even then though i mean it's hard how could anybody give that fight to choi how could you score that yeah, fight for great choi? example it just doesn't even make sense doesn't make any sense but i mean i watched the brendan allen fight again and i mean I guess it was closer than I thought it was, but I mean that was probably the most egregious one. But I don't even want to talk about it anymore, though. We can move. Yeah, on I mean, the, yeah. So the the, the scorecard. I mean, unanimous for Allen, then there was one for Choi. The the two scorecards for Shevchenko. I mean, just a, a bad cards top to bottom. Um, but uh, for me, it was minus three point five six units. Uh, you know, lost badly on the main event there, playing that fight to go under. Um, just an insane fight, though. I mean, I think probably top five fights ever. Um, you know, no question. Uh, just an insane back and forth, near finishes, momentum swings. It was amazing. So, uh, you know, very grateful to watch that fight. Uh, what about you, Ozzy? What was your recap last week? Just uh, 1.3 down. Um, I was going to have more action down, but uh, I just didn't enter it uh, too too well. But I've, the biggest loss is the Joanna loss, you know, so lost that. Um, you know, she... Bad bet overall. She got pounded. Best bet one. You know the 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 Choi Kulabao. That's the kind of overs that you just live for. You you know you love seeing the dudes get knocked down, like punching each other in the face really hard. But then you want them to relax a little bit and it to go over. So that went over. You know the Kang over went. I thought most of my reads are pretty good. Like I said, Malcoon's gonna be value. 
you know, I, the ones I fucked up is uh, Amiv, Fialo, right? Those those picks, but everything else for the most part, you know, was pretty on point. I thought. Um, that's enough about last week though. 14 fights, uh, you know, really good fights from top to bottom here. Um, even the first few fights in the prelim, solid uh, middleweight fights. Let's start this off. Uh, middleweight division Kyle Dawkins taking on Roman Delidze. Uh, Dawkins is the favorite, minus 265. Delidze plus 225. Uh, I guess I'm in agreement with the line here. Um, I mean, I do think that Dawkins is the better overall fighter, probably better as a striker, grappler, wrestler. Um, you know, just giving the edge everywhere. I don't really see any area that Delidze can make the fight, you know, super close. I mean, Delidze winning a decision seems really unlikely to me just because uh, I don't see Dawkins getting stuck on bottom to this guy. I don't see him losing minutes on the feet to this guy. So I think the fight does really favor Dawkins, especially if it goes to the decision. And Ozzy, I don't know if you've seen it. The goes the distance prop on this fight is, is you know, minus 120. So they're thinking this fight ends inside the distance like, 45% of the time. I don't understand that. Who, who's finishing this fight 45% of the time? I mean, I'd say the most likely finish is going to be a Dawkins submission. But considering that Delidze comes from a jiu-jitsu background, I think that he might be able to survive. Um, and even Dawkins was uh, having some dominant positions on uh, Pickett in that fight. And then he lost them. He went for a back take. He lost it. He had a takedown and Pickett stood up. He eventually did find the submission there uh, with the Dars or Anaconda at the end of the round, but I don't think Dawkins's jujitsu is anything like next level. So I think that the goes the distance is the line to play here. Um, and I think that uh, I'll probably have that as an official bet. So w- what are your thoughts on this fight, Ozzy? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I've been a very big fan of, you know, Kyle Dawkins, his whole career. I think this guy, you know, Southpaw striker, which, you know, I always like, um, you know, mixes in his, his jujitsu. Well, you know, has a Darce choke, um, throws ground a pound once he gets on top. But, I mean, you know, going close to 300 on a guy like Roman, who Roman is just, I mean, he just wants to slow the fight down. He's going to look to to clinch. And, you know, if he does get a takedown, he probably won't be looking to progress position very, very much. But, you know, I feel like Dawkins is the right side here. Not very enthusiastic to, to be laying these numbers here. I guess it got steamed up a little bit. Like, you could have probably got a little bit of value when it was like 230, more or less. But, I mean... You know, I think this Dolice, he's kind of like like a foreign foreign version of Jamie Pickett, honestly. Like, in terms of, like, he doesn't do anything good. Like, I guess he's a strong rapper. I don't know. All I know is what I mean is that he he, he has the same kind of type of fighter, uh, bringing in the same kind of uh, skill set as Jamie Pickett has, as in he's not really looking for the finish. He's going to probably grapple you, use his strength, you know, and, and stuff like that, which I think... Dawkins is a pretty good foil for that, just because he he takes the opportunities that he give that you give him, but he doesn't always make as many mistakes as uh, I mean he did against Brendan Allen, but in the other fights he hasn't shown you know that as much, right? Like the Kevin Holland, right? As soon as he was able to to pounce on an opportunity, he did against Stol Dustin, that fucking German guy. So I'll take I'll take Kyle Dawkins here. I think he he's better on the feet at range. And uh, if they do start grappling, I think that he can win the grappling. But I don't, I, I don't want him to be ended up, ended up stuck on bottom and having to work up and drain his gas tank. But I definitely go with Kyle Dawkins for the. Are you considering playing him at all at two forty? No. Yeah, me, me neither. But maybe this, uh, when the line comes out at the time, maybe the minus three and a half for Dawkins because I really feel he should win the fight. You know, thirty twenty seven or or finish. But uh, 
What and any last thoughts on the goes to distance? You think it's value or no? Um, I mean, I I don't think so because I feel like Cal Dawkins. Kyle Dawkins is a finisher, I feel, overall. So I don't really like to to oppose that that much. So, um, All right, that's going to move us on to next fight, middleweight division as well. Phil Hawes, Duran Wynn. Hawes, minus 260, Wynn, plus 220. So similar price between these two matchups. I think one guy's got a lot better chance than the other, though. Uh, interested to see your thoughts here, Ozzy. Yeah, you know, I mean, Hawes, I think, has just overall shown that he's just, I mean, he's skilled, you know, but he just does not live up to, he just doesn't put together 15 minutes all that well. Um, The same thing could be said for Deron Wynn, but the fact that you're getting Deron Wynn, a guy who historically has been pretty difficult to hurt in terms of with strikes, just because he's like so small. Like, I feel like, you know, guys actually have a hard time finding the, the right range and you know, being able to to strike and throw punches at him when, while uh, protecting the takedown. Now, obviously, Hawes has a wrestling background, but this guy's older than you think he would be, right? He's thirty three, although some would argue he's uh, you know, tw- more, more closer to twenty three or twenty five. But he's thirty three, and I mean, you know, you see in those other fights, he uses his he looks to use his wrestling more than people. Um, you know, give credit to, and I don't think that's going to be that uh, well used here against Win. But Win's issue is he never, right? He never makes weight. He has a hard time making weight. The one eighty five weight class. But I mean, he's half Russian. You know, he only hangs out with these Russian guys at AKA. So I'm hoping that he comes in shape. I think it's honestly a decent price. As in, do I expect him to win? Not really. But he's a pretty good underdog because. It's hard to put him away, right? You see that because with that uh, overline being, you know, basically pick him. But I mean, I would probably just take the goes the distance line and, instead of taking the over, just because you could get some plus money on it. And um, I feel like most, more than fifty percent of the time, a fight like between these guys actually does go the distance. Um, just because it's a big fade on, you know, uh, Hawes finding the kill shot, and I think that Hawes. You know, I mean, he needs a win here really badly. Like, if he doesn't win this fight, I think he gets cut here. Even if, even with uh, it not being that big of a losing streak, or at least he's really put back against the wall here if he if he loses. So I think he's gonna be looking for for a win here, no pun intended. And uh, and yeah, so I, I expect some grappling in this fight, a lot of grappling in this fight actually, and uh, and then Hawes not really throwing uh, big KO strikes. So. A bit, a bit long-winded, but I think that win could be competitive, and I think I'll probably play him for a little bit. Yeah, these guys both kind of remind me of each other in a way because they're both, you know, they have wrestling bases, but they they don't really have much of a top game. Um, you know, Win is definitely, I'd say, more likely to use his wrestling in this fight. Uh, and I think that he can probably hit some takedowns on Hawes, but I just don't see him keeping Hawes down. Maybe as the fight goes on and his uh, gas is out because he t- he does uh, have some cardio issues uh, in the Dockers fight, though, was the first time where Hawes's cardio actually looked good. He was able to win, you know, uh, almost all three rounds there. You know, you could give him round one, but he definitely won the second and third rounds. And I mean, if you're looking at Hawes's resume, it honestly looks a lot better than he is as a fighter, right? He, he nuked Malcoon. Malcoon's been doing good since then. He somehow has a decision win over our boy Imavov, even though the real ones know that uh, Imavov won that fight. And then he beat Dawkins too. So this guy's got a good resume, but I just feel that as a fighter, he he's underwhelming. 
Uh, I did think his striking looked good uh, versus Curtis up until obviously he got caught. He was using a good front kick. He was staying pretty measured there. Um, and if he comes out with that same approach, he, he is going to outstrike Win. I mean, Win's striking man is ugly. It's he wings big overhands. He you know it, it's really bad honestly. Uh, so the better striker is definitely Hawes, and the fight being on the feet favors Hawes. Uh, Win's going to need to hit a lot of takedowns. He's going to need to grind Hawes out. He's going to need Hawes to slow down. But that's how Win wins fights he he does grind guys out he does slow them down as the fight goes and he's durable he knows how to take a shot he ate some big shots versus uh arroyo uh, a year and a half ago and um you know he's been like you said he's been training a lot with khabib he's got you know some picture out there with khabib and you know i'm i'm trusting the the khabib's boy here i'm going with uh deron win um i think he will you know probably have an early or a rough start to the fight but he'll work his way in and uh, he's got a great chance of grinding this one out for a decision what is hall's uh win by decision is plus 500 that seems pretty crazy to me ozzy i mean like the 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 decision only market has win at plus 130 um so i don't understand why his decision line straight up would be five to one so um yeah i mean win decision uh, maybe a win live bet after round one, I think, are, are some good odds. I mean, bro, they have Hall's knockout at like plus 120, 150. Come on now. This guy is this guy. They got they got Hall's round three plus 700. It's pretty short. Like, the, yeah, they're acting like this dude's like a no. I mean, he had one good fight where he had good cardio. And then the last thing I'll mention about Hall's is so he got wobbled uh, and knocked out by Curtis. He got uh, hurt by that spitting back fist versus Dacus. And then he got rocked uh, a few times versus Imavov as well. This dude's chin is not good. And he trains at um, at Sanford. And I feel like the Sanford guys, bro, they go too hard in the gym. And then by the time they show up to the fight, uh, they're, they're you know, a little bit drained from that camp. And uh, I'm taking the goals of distance, dude, for sure. That, that line has value. Yeah. Goals of distance, definitely. We're seeing the fight in a pretty similar light. Next fight, won't spend too much time on this one. Bantamweight division, Cody Stamen, Eddie Wineland. Stamen, huge favorite, minus 550. Wineland, plus 385. I mean, I guess it's right. I mean, there, to me, there's no point in paying Eddie Wineland. This dude looks like a shot fighter to me. Um, I mean, he, he's he's always been a hands-down boxer, right? He's always been a guy who's kind of relied on his head movement. And when you're 40 years old and getting knocked out left and right, 15 losses, having your hands down at a certain point becomes, you know, a detriment. And I think we're at that point. His his reactions are just not there. You saw, I mean, uh, Castaneda and O'Malley are obviously good, good strikers, solid boxers with better speed than Stamen. But, I mean, I just saw Eddie Wineland just not seeing the punches coming there at all. And... He 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 doesn't see them coming. He doesn't react well to them, and he has been a pretty historically tough guy to take down. But I mean, just getting older, that's going to make it even more difficult. And I see Stamen, uh, you know, if he wants to land prey like he typically does and grind him out to a decision, I see him doing that. And if he wants to maybe look to sit down on some shots and actually look to win by his first finish here, I think he could probably get Wyland out of there as well. So I mean, I see Stamen winning however he wants. Oh, is it me? Me, me coming in here? Um, I mean, I, I actually think this is not that it is a supremely interesting fight, but I feel maybe like something closer to, you know, three hundred for Wineland is uh is, is more appropriate. Not that I'm gonna play it, just because I don't know. Like I feel like Stamen obviously uh, is able to to control where the fight takes place, but I mean Castaneda, he's a he's a sneaky striker and. 
you know, and quick and, you know, coming from that lefty stance. And Cody, I mean, I think he will go to his wrestling, but I don't think he's going to rush and go to his wrestling in terms of like he he kind of gets does get confident in his in his hands a little bit. Um, and obviously, you know, he needs a win with very badly. So, you know, I think, I mean, Cody, you play the over two and a half. I mean, Cody decision and the over two and a half are almost the same price, almost the same price. So I got to play the over two and a half here because I feel like Wineland does have some decision equity. Like, even though it's it's price as KOs has most like, I mean, they're actually priced the same. I actually like his decision equity a little bit here because if he can, if Stamen does not elect to wrestle hard or Cody, you know, I don't know about his takedown defense. Like his takedown defense has not, he hasn't had to show it that much, but it's usually been pretty good. Like he usually does dig under hooks and do stuff like that. Um, so I think he could potentially as, you know, maybe uh, draw out the rounds so, so that uh, this decision is more likely. So I'll take the, the goes distance and, uh, and the over, you know, whichever one you could get a, the better price uh, for. And one interesting thing is Wyland hasn't lost a fight where he's been taken down in 10 years, 11 years, and, you know, 15 fights or something like that. He's he's not a guy who's been wrestled a lot through his career. So, um, you know, maybe I'm writing him off too early, but I just I just see, you know, he's a little too far gone to be putting much faith in. Uh, next fight, women's strawweight division, uh, GDP, one of Ozzy's girls, taking on Maria Oliveira, and we have GDP. As the favorite, minus 275, Oliveira, plus 235. So uh, any faith in, in your girl here at the the big chalk price, Ozzy? Yeah, I mean, I went against my girl in her last fight against uh, Belbita. And I actually thought, I mean, I rewatched that fight, and people were saying that it was, I thought it was kind of a close fight. But, you know, I think that she's going to fuck uh, Maria Oliveira up, like, pretty easily. Like, she should. I mean... You know, she's got a women's MMA record. Gloria DePaula is who I'm talking about. Six and four, right? Very real ugly record. But she's got some skills, man. And Maria Oliveira, I honestly don't think she has any skills. But she is a willing striker. So I could see them, you know, exchanging a little bit. But, I mean, I think that Gloria DePaula is going to get this done. And I'm, I'm going to predict she gets it done inside the distance this time. Uh, just because Oliveira, like, I don't know. She just lets fight snowball, get away from her, you know, way too much. So what, what what's that ITD number? Uh, Plus Martian? 315. Yeah, give me that all day. I think that, you know, uh, Gloria DePaula, you saw in that last fight against Belbita, it was a three-rounder. Uh, there were a lot of strikes, you know, thrown from each, uh, each side uh, in that. And, I mean, I even think that uh, there's maybe like a little bit of submission equity here, whether it be a club and sub. Or, um, I don't know, somehow it's women's MMA, right? They land on the floor somehow. You know, I think that Gloria can finish her there as well. So I'm going to take that uh, that uh, inside the distance for Gloria DePaula and root her on. Um, I don't know what the under is, but maybe the under is a good shot if you want some very to play into the variance of what Oliveira maybe can do. But, uh, but yeah, give me Gloria DePaula, ITD, 3-1, to one, very good for me, I think. So as of right now, I have Oliveira as the worst on the roster. Um, 
you know, I had her coming in, coming into the Reese fight as well. Worse than the roster bet Reese inside the distance there. I don't know what the deal was. You know, this woman doesn't want to finish fights there, but you know, GDP's got a little more intensity in her than Reese. And um, I'm I mean, saying she trains Olivera a Bueno Silva. Just, you, know, you know, Bueno, you know, Bueno Silva is the most intense woman in the fight game, and they yeah, share a better. She throws, she throws hammers. Um, here, guys, I, oh, really? I don't they know share, if our listeners, share I don't know if our listeners, yeah, our listeners. Make sure you know Gloria DePaula, GDP, and Bueno Silva. They do share a bedroom. Interesting. That's 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 some good stuff to note. Um, you didn't know that? No, I didn't. I didn't. No way. Wow. Yeah. And so that means that GDP has also been training with Cyborg. No confirmations on if those three have shared a bedroom yet. But you know, use your imagination. Um. Yeah, I think I'll I think I'll leave Cyborg out of that imagination in that picture. But um, yeah, I mean, I think DePaula should should win however she wants. Oliveira has relatively no MMA skills, so I would be eternally shocked to see her win the fight. GDP, however she wants, and uh, yeah, probably inside the distance. I, I I think it'll probably be KO. Um, but you know, the sub at sixteen to one, I mean, it's definitely possible. Like you were saying, women's MMA. So maybe you're better off just taking the ITD. Next fight, men's featherweight division. Danny Chavez taking on Ricardo Hamos. We got Hamos minus 250, Chavez plus 210. So I think this is you know, a, a pretty well, uh, well match made fight here. Uh, <clears throat> I'm really interested in the leg kick battle between these two guys because both guys have had issues with leg kicks. Um, you know, Kamaka was landing a lot on Chavez. Uh, Chavez landed a lot on Brown. And then uh, Ramos has also been uh, had his leg kicked a lot. He just doesn't seem really interested in checking those kicks. And both of these guys are orthodox. They both are pretty heavy on their lead leg. And I could see, you know, either guy who lands a few hard calf kicks, it could change this fight, you know, on a moment's notice. So definitely look out for that here in this fight. And uh, another thing is the cardio dynamic. I think that we see a pretty different cardio dynamic between these two guys. Chavez is a guy who tends to slow down in round three. And Ramos is a guy who, you know, is pretty comfortable going those three hard rounds. Uh, you know, Ramos lost to Zubaira in his last fight, lost the first two rounds, but came back and won round three unanimously. So this guy, uh, you know, he, he's not going to wilt that easily. Uh, he did kind of wilt against uh, Lerone Murphy and get finished there. But historically, he's been a pretty gritty fighter. Uh, moved up to 145 and is having success at that weight class. Uh, um, the striking here, it, it'll be really close in my opinion. I mean, Ramos is, I'd say, more technical, but Chavez maybe throws a little more power. But to me, Chavez, is, his technique looks kind of average or mediocre. I mean, this dude just doesn't string together strikes that well. Um, and then uh, the last thing we had to talk about is the grappling. Ramos loves mixing in the grappling, loves going to those back takes. He probably can get some brief takedowns here. Uh, but if Ramos doesn't get those takedowns, I mean, I do see it being a little closer than plus 200, plus 250 uh, for Chavez. So I have a slight faith in Chavez here, at plus 250, but it's not something I really fully endorse because I, I just don't see him getting his hand raised at the end of the day. I see Ramos probably, you know, edging out a, a close decision here. Ramos is always in close decisions. What's the goes to distance here? Yeah, it's minus 190. So this fight is is projected to go to the cards and i think ramos just has a lot better experience winning by decision holy shit though chavez decision is plus 550 uh so they're really giving him very little chance to win by decision if this gets there i think that might be a bit disrespectful um so a lot of different thoughts in this one good match made fight um should be an interesting one but uh i'll pass it over to you ozzy yeah man i mean i think chavez is a fraud like i don't like the guy 
I mean, I've said it before, like, unless you're like Chris Gutierrez, like, you've shown me on more, more than one occasion that you're crippling dudes with, you know, calf kicks. Like, I don't give a fuck. And I think that, um, you know, it's that TJ Brown fight had, and that was during COVID, um, early COVID, at least. Um, everything is during COVID now. Um, it, 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 like, skewed people's thinking of him, and that's why we got, I mean, we basically got pick them right both on gordon and against kai kamaka right both of them were basically pick them if i remember right gordon definitely i think that might have been plus money but it it skewed people's thought process because what if i told you martian that in chavez's next two fights he got leg kick for every one leg kick he ate more than two in return would you believe that does that sound like a a a a, a devastating leg kicker at to the you? at the time? I wouldn't have believed it, but after seeing the fights, I obviously do. Yeah, Kamaka yeah. lit his leg up. So this, so this is what I'm saying. Like, it's not like this guy controls the leg kick game, you know, that much, all right? Like, I think I I'm gonna put the T.J. Brown fight as more like an anomaly one or two. Like T.J. Brown just can't, you know, deal with leg kicks. And then if you do throw leg kicks, you know that that exposes you for takedowns. And that happened in the Jerry Gordon fight multiple times. You, I know that Ricardo Ramos can hit takedowns on um on Danny Chavez for sure. And I mean, he uses different kinds of takedowns as well. They don't always have to be traditional, you know, double legs or whatever it is. He has like the trip game from the clinch. He has a game where he could get around to your back, like you mentioned. Um, and he could kick himself, man. He's a, just a very well-rounded guy. I think he has the reach advantage here as well, right? He's got a five-inch reach advantage. So, I mean, I love Ricardo Ramos in this uh, fight. Um, I think he's one of my more, more confident leans this week. Um, you know, it's minus 250 now. So, you know, some action on Chavez is coming in. But, I mean, I, mean, I really like Ramos here. I think that he's definitely the much-deserved favorite. You know, I think that uh, Chavez is just – he just hasn't shown me improvement at all in the octagon. Um, you know, he does not have a diverse game. And he kind of is like a wait-and-seer, right, while, while Chavez – or, excuse me, while Ramos throws much more volume, can mix it up, you know, way more – um, and he hasn't shown as many cardio issues, I think, since he's moved up to 145. So I think this is a good fight for Chavez. I mean, for Ramos to to just bump back up the ladder, you know, after take, getting a step down or taking a step down after his last loss. Um, and I think I might get involved. I'm gonna I'm gonna keep waiting. But you know, I I know that uh, some people that I've spoken to have liked Chavez a little bit. But I mean, I don't think this guy's very good. I don't think he's UFC level, and I think he's getting cut after this loss. And that last thing I'll note about the fight is Ramos's wins, you know, they're aging well. You know, I'll go back a little far far here, but Sahabi's coming off a knockout. Kang looked good last week. Journey Newsom's coming off a win. Bill Algio's coming off a win. I mean, his wins are continuing to look good. These guys are sticking around in the UFC. And Even his losses, too. Saeed, Tahugov, uh, Lauren Murphy. Murphy. Yeah. He's fought a lot of tough, good guys. Yeah, I mean, he's, guys. this is probably his easiest matchup in, since, like, Garagori. Garagori, yeah. yeah. Look what he did to Garagori. I'm saying, he's treating guys like, I mean, even if you go back to the Newsom fight, I mean, do you remember that spinning back elbow he hit Newsom with? Like, he yeah. would have KO'd a lot of guys with that. So. Yeah, should he, I mean, yeah. I, I feel like people. He, his record could look even better in terms of, like, finishes and stuff like that. Like, Algio, he could have choked him out at any point, but he didn't. But, and yeah, Brown, I, like, I like Ramos, man. Brown, to me, doesn't you know the win is not he just anything impressive you know i'm still i still don't think brown's any good so yeah i mean initially early in the week i was thinking you know chavez was a play but i think i'll just pass at this point 
Um, next fight, very anticipated fight here. 170 division. Jeremiah Wells taking on Court McGee. The, the odds for this one, uh, McGee minus 115. Wells minus 105. Two-way action coming in this fight. Uh, Wells opened up the favorite, but a lot of people betting McGee. And I got to remind people, guys, Jeremiah Wells changed at Marquez MMA out of Philadelphia. You know what Marquez's record in the UFC is? 14-0. Petrosky, Sabatini, and uh, Wells, and um, who am I forgetting? Sean Brady, of course. 14-0 in the UFC. So ask yourself this question. Do you want to be betting against a gym that's 14-0 in the UFC? I mean, to me, I wouldn't. The last time people were laying minus 400 on Nick fucking Maximov against Petrosky, uh, and, you know, we all know what happened there. So I don't know, guys. I think there might be something different in the water going on at Marquez MMA right now, and I wouldn't want to be betting against them. Now, matchup speaking, if I didn't know that Wells trained there, I think matchup-wise, I would probably, you know, I wouldn't love it for McGee, but I would I would feel good about it because uh, McGee looks Real sharp in his last fight. I mean, this is a guy who's old. Uh, he's 38. He's old in fight years. But to me, I mean, he doesn't look like he's slowing down. I mean, he still looks really, really good physically. I mean, that Rami's Brahimov fight, guys, I mean, we were we were all on him in that fight. But I don't think any of us expected it to look that dominant. I mean, he, he looked, you know, minus 2,500 in that fight. Um and, you know, he stopped takedowns from Ramiz. He hit his own takedowns. He looked sharp on the feet. I mean, he looked good really in all assets. So uh, Wells is definitely a grappler. You know, he definitely uh, wants to get the fight into the grappling most of the times. Uh, and his striking to me, bro, it, lo it looks raw. I mean, he swings wild. Uh, you know, he he's athletic. He's powerful. He's he's fast. He was able to use that to leverage that knockout win on Alves. Not really even sure what the hell happened in that fight. Um, but he just, you know, leveraged his athleticism really well. Got the knockout win. Uh, but. I still don't see a whole lot of like, you know, refined skill on Wells' side. He really does rely on that that athleticism of his. Um, and he's going to be liking, likely taking Court down here. And Court is not a guy, easy guy to take down. I mean, Court fought his teammate Sean Brady back in the day in Sean Brady's UFC debut. And I'm pretty sure Brady only went like one. He got two takedowns in that fight. Um Oh no, he only attempted three. But he only got 40 seconds of control there. So he didn't keep... Uh, uh, McGee down for long at all there and just historically Court McGee really hard guy to hold down and take down the last guy to really do it was uh, was maybe uh Sean Strickland um way back in the day so I don't know man matchup wise I think it's tough for Wells he's I mean I'm still gonna be picking Wells just because I don't want to go against Philadelphia uh you know the trend has been great so far I gotta keep riding it uh but I'm I also like Court McGee a lot have respect for the guy his skill set and I don't think this is gonna be an easy fight at all for for Wells here so I'm really interested to see your thoughts here Ozzy if you're agreeing with me and uh you know I'll pass it over to you yeah we got big tits big tits McGee he's back um, looking, looking as busty as ever, right? I saw some, uh, some pics of him, you know, this guy's, you know, staying sober, you know, running his miles, you know, doing his grappling, doing whatever the fuck, you know, people do in Utah. Can you believe that guy he lives in Utah? Crazy. But, you know, I, I mean, this is a very interesting fight because, you know, Wells, I mean, Wells is a demon. Like he turns into demon, like a demon when he's, you know, in there in the cage. Um, and like he said, he's, he's looking to grapple first. But, you know, he's got these explosive, like, you know, combination that he throws out there, the combinations that he throws out there um, that look, like you said, uncoordinated sometimes or maybe not uncoordinated, just like a little bit sloppy. Like, oh, like, you know, how are you going to hit someone with that? 
but that should be working uh, sometimes. And against Court, you know, I feel like Court, you know, you know what you're going to get with him, which is like a comforting thing because he's probably going to look to wear Jeremiah Wells out a little bit uh, early on, mid, mid, you know, during the middle of the fight and, you know, look to definitely take that third round as well. But I do see these guys exchanging a little bit early on, which is why I like Jeremiah Wells a bit uh, pre-fight. Just because Court, like, he will throw with you. And if you're not making, uh, I mean, I think Ramiz, he made a lot of mistakes against Court. And, like, if I remember right, he went for the neck a few times. Like, he went for, like, that guillotine a bit when, like, Court was, like, pushing him against the fence or, like, in on takedowns or, you know, when Ramiz could have gotten up and, you know, maybe try to get an underhook, he, like, he'll just stay on the neck. Or he just made bad decisions overall. And I feel like uh, Wells is a bit more schooled in the fact of, like, you got to protect your hips. You can't let this guy, you know, wrap up your your waist or, you know, get, get around your legs or push you against the fence and not have underhooks and stuff like that. So that's why I kind of like Wells a bit more. But I do like, I think that court, if he wins, it's going to be, uh, you know, him wearing out Wells and, you know, winning by decision like he usually does. So I would look to court by decision if I were to play him. You know, I don't think that uh, he's really got the pop to, to stun Wells. And on the ground, like, he's not submitting Jeremiah Wells, I don't think, unless he's really, really tired. Um, So I'm going to lean and I'm going to stay with the Jeremiah Wells side as well, even though I do like court. And I've bet on him in the past as well. I just think the difference in power, the conditioning levels of Wells, the conditioning level of Wells, which is much better than, you know, a guy like Ramiz. I think it's going to allow him to maintain the, the same pace and, uh, you know, you know, power that uh, that he's going to bring from round one. Uh, so I'm going to take him and uh, hope that he rips Court's head off at some point. But I, I do think this fight has a very, very good chance to go into the scorecards. Yeah, I mean, I'm looking at, uh, I think Court's past 10 fights have all gone to the decision. He hasn't finished every, anybody in about 18 fights since 2011. And not, don't forget that too long ago, Court McGee was losing decisions to Diego Lima and Carlos Condit. So, I mean, uh, yeah, yeah I mean, so that's what I mean. Like, if he can't really get takedowns and go to grappling and, like, continue to grapple during the fight, like, I think he starts to lose which is where I think Ramiz fucked up. Like, if Ramiz would have, like, stayed, tried to stay away from the grappling a little bit more and look to strike more, I think he could have made the fight closer. And I don't think Wells is going to def be defending grappling, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Yeah, and then do you have any insight on what it'll look like if Court tries to take down uh, McGee here? Do you think that McGee might be able to get him down? Any idea about Wells' bottom game? I, I mean, I think Wells is going to be looking to wrestle up. That's what I mean. Like, I don't think that he's going to be – I think he's going to – if he gets taken now, he's going to be looking to go to half guard, you know, and, and, and wrestle up. So I don't think he's going to be laying in guard, you know. So that's why I kind of like him early. And, you know, if you see him getting tired or you think that court, you know, is looking really good, you know, maybe you, 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 uh, you try to live bet out of it. Yeah, and, you know, training with Brady every day, you know, this guy did beat McGee not that long ago, so that's got to be a big advantage for him here. So, yeah, I'm I'm still picking uh, Jeremiah. I'm not sure if I'm betting him yet, but, I mean, the trend. You got to go with the trend, bro. Um, next fight, women's flyweight division, Jasmine Jazdavidius, the new JJ. That's what I'm calling her. The new JJ taking on Natalia Silva. And Jasmine, the favorite here, minus 235. Silva, plus 200. 
So your turn to start this one off, Ozzy. What are your thoughts here? I love Jasmine in this spot. I was looking at this fight even a little bit further today. Um, I just think that Jasmine, I mean, she's a fighter in the women's division that I think will, for lower level girls, is going to be difficult for them to beat her because she has what um, a, a great mind, uh, you know, labeled. She's got good variance blockers. I think I, I'm using that right. In the aspect that, I mean, the chick is tough. Like, she's from Canada and you could hear it from her voice, right? She's like kind of like kind of bro y, kind of duty. Um, and only trains the guys, I think. But basically, you know, she's at range. She's just bigger than all these girls. She's taller. She's um, she's bigger, right? Bigger reach. You know, she and she's able to use it, you know, pretty well. And, and then she's comfortable going into the clinch, firing off knees. You know, she's smart in digging underhooks. She'll go for takedowns when she has to. She's very good when she is on the ground of staying safe. She's not going to blow anybody away. She's not going to, you know, dice through you like she's Damian Maya, you know, and get a, get a submission. She's not going to, like, you know, clearly hold you down without, like, effort and stuff like that. But what she will do is she will always make the right decisions from what I've seen so far, the right decisions and not give her opponents that much opportunity. And a weasel kind of fighter like Silva, right, Brazilian, um, and no disparagement on Brazilians. This is a, a compliment. You know, they, 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 what they do is when you give them opportunity, like that's when they go to finish a fight, which you see in like her armbar wins and, you know, shit like that. But, you know, Jasmine, she doesn't give that many opportunities. And she uh, usually puts uh, her opponents where they least want to be and go, goes to it first, right? Like against Kay Hansen, right? When Kay Hansen has success, right? She'll like get a takedown or whatever, you know. Jasmine immediately is like looking to get up or she's immediately looking, you know, to do so, like in the clinch, she's immediately looking to turn her. So I think swept. Her. Yeah. Swept. Like, yeah, exactly. There was like one point where she got, she got swept and then she swept her back or she went to go get back up. So she doesn't really accept, you know, uh, being put on the defense, which is something that I like in the women's division. That's why like I've liked girls like um, Lauren Murphy in the past and just gritty girls right that um you know that that have that attribute and that trait in the female division so i'm gonna go with her and I'm, i'll probably play her and maybe like a parlay even though i don't do parlays but i might play her yeah ja jasmine should roll here uh she's undefeated if you ever watched that elise reed fight she won that fight one of the most questionable decisions i've seen in a long time uh so i mean i agree with everything ozzy said i mean she's a, a big strong woman who likes to get the fight in the clinch who knows how to take women down uh the striking for silva i do think probably uh silva will have a slight advantage just because she pumps out volume like her defense is terrible her technique is you know average questionable but she's she throws strikes, you know, she, she, you know, lands, um, on some women. And I, I just feel like JJ doesn't really like to strike. She wants to, you know, get the fight in the clinch. I think she's got a, a really good, like risk at adverse fighting style where she's just not looking to trade. She's looking to stay on the outside. And then when it's her time, she'll get that takedown. And then Silva, I have seen taken down a few times. Uh, she's an armbar woman. You know, most of her women's come by armbar. She also hasn't fought in two and a half years. Um, but you know, I am seeing that she got signed to the UFC in sometime in late 2020. Uh, so she has been signed to the UFC for a year and a half. Don't know what she's been doing. But maybe, you know, she's you know been fighting a lot more seriously, been training full time now that she's gotten the UFC. Maybe we'll see some big improvements from her over the year and a half, two and a half years she hasn't been fighting. 
But man, outside of that, I don't see how, you know, outside of some massive improvement, I don't see how Jasmine doesn't just, you know, take her down, avoid the arm bar, stay on top. I mean, uh, I just think that Jasmine's an intelligent woman. I have been in contact with Jasmine. We're all, we're on a, a good, uh, friendly basis. You know, uh, she's a big fan of the podcast and she knows that she has to avoid the arm bar. Um, and you know, that to me is good enough of a sign to trust her here, even though it's juice, even though it's minus two thirty. I just think Jasmine has a lot more experience. She's, she's so, so much more active guys. Like, like let's, uh, let me see real quick how many she's fought. Um, She's fought five times since uh, Silva has last fought, four of them being uh, decisions. So she's put in uh, 13 or 14 rounds in, you know, uh, CFFC, Contender Series, UFC, since Silva has last even stepped in a fucking cage. So I'm taking Jasmine. Uh, I'll probably lay some chalk on her. And, uh, you know what? Sh she should roll here. Um Next fight on the prelims, insane that this fight is on the prelims, but this just goes to show that this is a really good fight night card. Uh, Adrian Yanez taking on Tony Kelly, uh, banger of a matchup here. Adrian Yanez minus 270, Kelly plus 230. We're seeing some buyback on Tony Kelly, rightfully so. I mean, at one point he was plus 385 or something like that on Bet Online when this line first opened. I was at plus 330 on FanDuel for a while. I got in on some plus 290. Um, and, you know, one thing I don't feel good about is I have bet against Adrian Yanez uh, two fights in a row. I trusted Costa. I trusted Grant. Um, you know, neither were exactly dreadful bets. Um, definitely not on the good side. Uh, but, you know, Yanez struggled a reasonable amount in both fights. Um, obviously, there was that crazy 30-27 Grant scorecard in that one fight. And then Costa, you know, fully took it to him, was jabbing him to, uh, to bits in round one before kind of collapsing in round two. Giannis is, you know, a good fighter, a skilled striker. Uh, you know, I think he's got a really good understanding of boxing. He digs to the body well. He knows how to turn it up as the fight goes on. His cardio seems good. You know, there, there aren't many really glaringly bad things to say about him, except for his defense isn't the best. And I think that he can be a little reliant on the knockout at times. If he doesn't get that knockout, uh, you know, early on in his career, he went to a few close decisions. I think he's getting better at, you know, winning fights decisively without that knockout, but that's still got to be concerned. And Tony Kelly is just, a, you know, a dog fighter. Um, this dude uh, just knows how to get in people's faces and throw strikes. I mean, that's what I really like about him in this matchup. I was rewatching the Costa fight, and he just pressures Costa from the jump. He's throwing all different strikes. He's mixing in kicks and knees, and he's mixing in the clinch punches. I mean, I. When I'm seeing a guy fighting Giannis, I want to see a guy who can constantly pump out strikes in his in his face just to make him uncomfortable. You don't want to give Giannis a clean fight. You want to pressure and put him on the back foot, mix in the clinch. And the clinch is an area that Tony Kelly is really good. He's good at stopping takedowns. I don't see that being a, a much of a factor here. But he's a good clinch striker as well. We saw that in the Costa fight, the, the Kai Kamaka fight. He showed some good clinch striking with those knees and elbows. And I just feel that Tony Kelly isn't going to be blown out of the water anywhere here. Maybe when they're, you know, purely at distance early on, uh, I could see Yanez being a bit cleaner, landing hard. But uh, if Kelly, you know, fights for that usual dog he has in him and pressures, I think he can make this fight ugly. Uh, you know, the fight probably is going to be headed to the scorecards. And, you know, I have some faith in in Kelly to maybe win some rounds here and pull off this upset. So uh, plus 290, I was happy to throw a unit on him uh, where the, the price is getting a bit more accurate now. But I'd still I'd say where. 
I'd say minus 250 for Giannis is about right. So it's getting to the where the point where there's no value, but I'll pass it over to you, Ozzy. Yeah, um, interesting fight, I'd say. Um, you know, Tony Kelly definitely impressed me a lot in his last fight. I was on him there against uh, Costa, and he took it to Costa overall, man. Like, he definitely pushed a huge pace, um, mixed it up really well, was, you know, utilizing his kicks well. But I think that, you know, he went in there against Costa, and he knew he had to push the pace. And I think he probably comes in this fight similarly with a similar, uh, you know, game plan. But I think that's going to make him available to be hit a lot by uh, by Yanez. And Yanez is not shy to throw. You know, as soon as he finds his range, um, I think that he has really, really good hands and, you know, the ability to find the chin really, really well. Um, and I think he has pretty good. I feel I like his cardio a lot. Um, so, you know, even though I do see the Tony Kelly, you know, angle and why people like him and, you know, the fight that he's going to bring and the fact that he's well-rounded, all that stuff is true for sure. But I, I, I think that Giannis is going to be able to, to land big on him. Like, you know, I think the, the, the way that he fought Costa while it was good, I don't really think it's something that he could duplicate here very easily just because I feel like Giannis is offense just way more potent than a guy like Costa and he does not slow down and he knows how like which shots to um you know dig in on and throw harder um and he's just a very very high level striker mature beyond his years you know and has a lot more experience than uh than than, than Costa has and it allowed him to uh it, or it, it that that's really ended up being what you know lost Costa the fight, and he has even like double the experience of Tony Kelly. Like Tony Kelly has what um how many fights? He has ten fights. You know, uh, Giannis has eighteen. And then the one biggest factor, uh, Martian. What is that? What's the biggest factor in this fight? Speed. No, it's the fact that Adrian Giannis is a ninety-three kid. And he's obviously not going to lose. Obviously, he's not losing to Tony Kelly. Like, he's a black belt in Brazilian jiu-jitsu. Fucking Costa is, a, is like, a white belt. And, and you know... Giannis is a black belt? That's, that's what he... That's what they have... Uh, that, that, that's what they have in his, uh, his Wikipedia. Yeah. Yeah, he got promoted mm-hmm. to black belt. No, I see it on Instagram. Yeah, he got promoted to black belt in t- 2020. So, yeah, respect him, motherfucker. So, yeah, I'm going with Tony or with uh, Adrian Yanez. I think, um, you know, what's him by KO? What, what? It's like plus 115 or something. Not good enough. You see? But I actually think that is the zag. Like every, people are going to play the decision line. But I actually think because of the – the the with the energy that uh, Kelly's going to come out with, the KO is actually the, the more valuable line. I'd say KO two three. Um, they'll probably be like the plus play this week, bro. Is Giannis, Jazavizias, and um, who's the other GDP? Person? GDP parlay. Throw, throw Dawkins in there too. No, 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 no. Only three, three man. I don't know what. No, I do. I do pays, feel. But... I do feel what you're saying. I feel like we're gonna have a, a, a. I feel like it could be a pretty chalky week. I That's like the fucking parlay right there, the, bro. The parlay GDP. Better. Jazavizias, Giannis. That's it right there. Plus, that probably pays like plus like what one fifty maybe. No, the parlayers this week they're gonna do they're gonna do Stamen, Holland, and Giannis, and then they're gonna parlayers this week, bro. They've got a lot of good choices, I think. Don't you think? Like that that is true. They do. They got some good choices, bro. They're gonna be tossing and turning. But let's go on to the next fight. I'm trying to find what this Giannis KO two. Oh shit, those are those are no good odds. Um. 
KO two plus plus five five hundred four seventy five. But right, I'm on Fanduel. I'm seeing plus six hundred for the round prop in general. So I'll, I'll have to, I'll got to do a little more research on that one. Um, bro, Tony Kelly Giannis by decision KO2 is six hundred plus six hundred. <laughs> yeah, no, they're, I'm telling you, they're, they, they're discrediting. They feel that Kelly can't keep the pace that he's going to try to go for. This, this is this well. Is what... We know that the market is, you know over or underrates kelly i mean he was like what plus 170 versus costa in his last fight i mean he's he's been historically underrated by the market in his past few fights yanez you could argue he's been overrated we'll see um so enough about that one uh that was the last fight in the prelims we're moving on to the main car middleweight division we got hobo cop take gregory rodriguez taking on julian marquez i don't think julian marquez even has oh no it's the cuban missile crisis shitty nickname um but hobo cop is the favorite here minus 173 marquez plus 148 uh what are your thoughts here Oz? your turn to start this one off uh julian marquez man i kind of forgot that he existed i don't know when that last fight against sam alvey was how long ago was that martian it had to have been like May or June of last year, if I okay. Remember. I even thought it was even later, but yeah, I thought I I was one of the dumb idiots that thought that uh, Sam Alvey could snap his losing streak. I honestly think about it every time Sam Alvey, you know, steps in that cage or signs a bout agreement. I'm like, yo, there's value on Sam Alvey, and boy, oh boy, <laughs> I'm I'm like oh and eight or something like that, or oh, oh for eight, uh, since uh, since he decided to just lose every fight, but. Um, you know, I, I didn't think Julian Marquez looked good in that fight. Like we said earlier, he doesn't fight that often. Um, and, and yeah, I mean, I think RoboCop, I mean, RoboCop, I don't, I don't know if he won that last fight against, what's his name? Armin Petrosian, but it was close, man. Like that was another bullshit ass decision where it's like, bro, this guy's fucking kicking me on my arms and like in my thigh and I'm punching him in his face, kicking him in the head, you know, ripping his leg off, you know, almost. And you don't give me any credit. Right, which was you know upsetting, but I think here like Marquez like this dude's just sloppy with these hooks that he's throwing like he like he's just not really solid in the pocket you know I think uh it, I I I think th I think that uh yeah what he's not solid in the pocket sorry I got distracted not solid in the pocket um you know leaves himself open. His grappling, I think, leaves a lot to be desired. So the main issue here is the RoboCop's, you know, cardio. Can he, you know, keep up his pace? Can he not, um, you know, uh, you know, tire himself out if he is grappling? And I think that he can. So, I mean, at this price right now is basically the same almost more or less than the Armin Petrosian fight uh, that, that he fought in terms of the odds. Um, and I think that he can ground Julian Marquez pretty easily and probably control him on his back. Like, and Julian has not fought that many guys that can do that. And I just feel like RoboCop's getting a win here. Like, just overall, like, I feel if he wants to, if they want to just strike, they can do that. I think he, uh, he can keep his hands up, deflect a lot of strikes coming back from Marquez. And then if he wants to take him down, I think he will find his way onto Julian Marquez's back or into the back clinch or whatever it is. He just needs to not get tired. So I, I got to pay 70 cents, I guess. Um, I think I'll probably do that. So I'll go with Hobocop, you know, for the win. Yeah, I'm in agreement. I mean, we're we're big Hobocop supporters here. And uh definitely should have won that last fight against Arma in round two and three. And I don't know what the judges were thinking there, but I mean I, I see uh Rod as, you know, the better striker grappler 
wrestler here. I think he's better in all assets of MMA. I just think the only areas where Marquez might have an advantage are cardio and durability, which are, you know, the intangibles. But, uh, you know, I just think the skill, man, you, you got to go with RoboCop here at this price. I mean, the, like Marquez has a chance due to his durability and his uh, cardio. But to me, it's not better. It, it, you know, the value is on RoboCop at this price is what I'm trying to say. I mean, uh, like you're saying, if he doesn't slow down, I really think he should have the skills to, to give this guy issues everywhere. I mean, he's the, he's a good boxer. He checks leg kicks. He knows how to hit, you know, some sick takedowns. He can hit a judo throw. He can shoot a double leg. And then he transitions to the back really well. Uh, and I just think like that some of the guys like like Park and Petrosian that have given uh, Hobo some problems. I, I don't see similar characteristics to Marquez there. I mean, this guy's striking the sloppy. He wins fights via, you know, crazy comebacks. And guys, don't forget, Marquez lost two rounds to Maki Patolo and needed a finish in round two three. of them. Maki Patolo was looking like a D, you know, D2 national champion. Not D1, but D2 for sure. Yeah, I mean, I mean that that is insane. I mean, I'm still not over Maki blowing that fight. I bet him there. Um and you know, I just feel Marquez gets, you know, a little too much respect in the market for some reason. I don't know why. It's probably because he finishes fights and, you know, I don't, I don't know. He has an okay personality, but you know, RoboCop is the side to be on here. I will also likely be on him. And some props for this fight I like are the the starts round three at minus one twelve. I, I don't know. I mean, I guess I guess uh, it should be a pretty uh, you know phonetic pace. It, it, sh it should be pretty crazy in there. But I don't know. I see this fight going longer. I don't. I, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna play it just because uh, it's gonna be a crazy pace. But I really do think this one probably can go into round three. Can possibly even hit the scorecards at plus one fifty. Uh, so. If you're feeling, you know, ballsy, go for those. Uh, next fight takes us to perhaps one of the best matchups on the entire card. Lightweight division, Demir Ismagulov taking on Guram Kuta Teladze. The odds for this one, Demir minus 148, Guram plus 128 on Online right now. Uh, I, guess, I guess it's my turn to start this one, man. Um, yeah, so I've been doing a lot of tape on this one the past few days, and you know, originally, uh, when I, so we were talking about this fight a few weeks ago with some people, and I was thinking, you know, I reckon, you know, Demir will probably win that one, um, but now that I'm rewatching some tape, I watched the Guram fight last night against Gamrot, and man, I really like what I saw from Guram in that fight. I mean, anybody who's got really good takedown defense and good getups, I'm a fan of, and he just, you know, he's got some dog in him, man. He he knows. Like when he gets taken down, and he gets back up. He knows to get in your face and to start, you know, throwing strikes. He's blasting body kicks on Gamrot, you know, good kicks from both stances. Uh, you know, his boxing is not bad as well. I like the way, you know, he kind of moves on the feet. He's kind of got like a little bob and weave type of style. Demir, on the other hand, is a bit more stiff. You know, this guy is a risk adverse fighter. He wants to jab you. He wants to keep you at distance. He wants to shoot a takedown every now and then. But Watching these guys strike, I see Demir, he, he's striking, he's throwing the jab, he's touching everybody with his strikes. He's touching you, he's trying to keep you away. Guram is trying to throw his strikes through you. I mean, he was smashing body kicks on Gamrod. I mean, he was pressuring, he he just knew, he just did a lot of good things in that fight. And Guram is a super humble guy, because in the interview after the fight, he said, I didn't win this fight, it should have been Demir, uh, um, 
Gamrot's fight. Bro, how many people do we see winning decisions that are complete robberies and they go, oh, yeah, I, I won. You know, the judges, they could have saw it anyway. They celebrate. Right? Guram won, Guram won the fight. I thought he won the first two rounds. And he was still humble enough to say, oh, Gamrot should have won. So, I mean, this dude is, you know, I, I like what I saw from that. I mean, he, he's just very realistic. And um, don't forget, he's got Hamzat Chimaev in his corner. Uh, Chimaev was going crazy during that fight for, for uh, cheering on Garam. And I'm not, I wonder if he'll be in the U.S. for this fight. Do we have any intel on that, Ozzy, whether uh, Chimaev will be in the corner? Because that would be a no, huge, I, that would be a huge, uh, you know, benefit. No, yeah. Um, no idea, and, but uh, but I don't think so. And then, um, yeah, so, I mean, to me, I see uh, uh, Garam's takedown defense, his get-ups being good enough to to hold, uh, to hold uh, stand up from Demir's takedowns. I mean, the guys who Demir has taken down in the UFC, let's, like, so he, he had that weird moment versus Alves in round one. Alves ends on bottom, and then he just lays there for four minutes and 30 seconds. He had no attempt whatsoever to get up. That's Alex Gorgie's guy. I remember nothing about him. He hasn't, I don't think he ever oh, he's fought awful. He's one of the yet. worst fighters I've ever, yeah. He's one of the worst guys they've ever signed. And then, and then he didn't take down Joel Alvarez. He didn't take down Moises. So, like Demir's, I think his wrestling is just you know way overrated. I don't see him holding Garam down. And then in a striking fight, do you want the the risk adverse jabber who you know may or may not have gotten hurt by Alvarez? He, he just looks underwhelming to me. Or do you want the guy who's blasting Gamrot with body kicks and pressuring and throwing punches and you know just doing a lot of good aggressive things to win rounds? I think we're headed to the decision here i mean the odds heavily uh you know reflect that and i think this is going to be a close decision and it could be controversial we're going to be probably talking about you know after the fight's over people are going to be arguing that they thought demir edged it they thought guram edged it i think we're headed to a close decision and i'm taking the more aggressive and the more damaging striker out of the two and that is the georgian guram kudaladze i cannot fucking wait for this fight what what a great matchup Oh, I I don't think we talked about it before, You're but uh, Guram, not Guram. Um, what's his name? Demir did his camp at uh some of his camp at least at ATT. I think I told you Tiger Muay Thai before, but it looks like he he came over to ATT at the end. But I don't give a fuck. Um, cause I just never been a believe, like literally never been a believer in this dude, uh, Demir. And I mean, I'm gonna just stay on that wagon and hope that uh, a guy like Guram, who, like you said, like all the points that you mentioned, you know, comes from a good gym, you know, has obviously fought, you know, a really, really high level guy in uh, in Gamera. And I mean, I think the main thing for me is like, yeah, I think they're gonna be striking at range. And I mean, Demir, he he, I, I mean, I don't dislike his boxing. Like he's got a long jab. He'll follow it with a cross, you know, when he needs to. But he just doesn't have like fight ending ability there uh for sure and i don't think that his wrestling is where um where he can reliably rely on it to win a fight against you know top 15 top 20 guys you know like guram and you know guys similar to guram who are uh so smooth uh at range you know so comfortable so yeah i think i agree i think it's gonna be a, a close fight i think that both guys uh you know have a path to victory uh but i prefer guram i think that um you know getting him at plus money I don't think there's that many guys that are like solid, that Guram is solid plus money against that aren't like overwhelming grapplers. And I just don't know if um, Demir can actually put together an overwhelming grappling game plan on Guram uh, to where he can break them and win clearly. So yeah, I'll take that plus 140 as well. I think plus 140 though is kind of like my line, but I'm going to double that up and follow up with 
uh, the Guran by decision, even though I think that, you know, his, uh, he probably is a little bit more leaning towards, um, you know, like a, a KO finish, right? Or like hurting uh, Demir. You know, a fight between two tough-ass Russians or, you know what I mean, two, you know, guys coming from that region. You know, I think the ghost distance may be good, but I'll follow up with a, a Guran by decision. Plus 350 at DraftKings. I think that's solid. I think we do see this go to the cards, and we could see a split decision, like you said. Nice. Sounds like we're in agreement there. Um, you know, we were saying before the fight, though, Demir, you know, really good record, 23 and one hasn't lost in a while. I mean, he's, he's a good fighter. We got respect for Demir. We just got to go with, with Guram here. And, uh, that takes us to the next fight. Another middleweight fight, fourth middleweight fight on the card. Holy shit. Um, Joaquin Buckley taking on Albert Duraev. We have Duraev as the favorite minus 238 Buckley plus 203. Ozzy, your turn to start this one off. What are your thoughts here? Another interesting fight between, I didn't really see this matchup coming up. You know, Durayev, obviously, I mean, if you watch him, I mean, this guy's got that Khabib-style pressure. I'm not going to lie to you. Like, he ties up those legs once he does get you down. I was big on him against uh, Hapalov or Kapulov, however you pronounce his last, his last name, in his last fight. I thought that was a great, you know, matchup for him. You know, weak-ass, you know, lanky boy Russian. But that shit was kind of tough. I mean, <laughs> it was. That shit was that shit was kind of difficult for him, you know. Uh, uh, Hapulov definitely hit him a bunch, but I mean the price he still justified the price. Like you know, I think it, it swelled to like four hundred at the end, but I mean I got like two fifty on him, which that was a great bet. But I mean I've been thinking about this one a bit, and I, I was like that Buckley fight against Al Hassan. First of all, awesome fight, great fight. You know, both of them impressed me. You know, I didn't. I, I wasn't expecting to see like a such a such a fight where where it went to so many realms. You know, of of, of MMA, but I mean, it impressed me with Buckley because even though he did slow down, that was a torrid pace. And I'm not sure if Darayev really wants smoke like that. Um, so I'm not that um concerned with Buckley's gas tank in that sense. But I am concerned with him on bottom potentially, like getting his legs tied up, potentially giving up his back. But I do think that Bucky's a he's pretty solid overall. Like, you know, even though he's a little small for 185, he's got the – I think it helps his cardio. You know, I think that he's like, you know, a fighter that not – like, look, this guy's going from that, you know, skinny guy, uh, Kapolov, to a dude like Buckley. You know, big difference in body type. You know, he's a southpaw as well. But, I mean, I don't, I don't really got an, a lot to speak about the matchup, but I just feel like, you know – uh, Durayev potentially could have an issue with Buckley here, keeping him on the ground or even getting him to the ground. I think he's gonna have to pin him against the fence and and have Buckley make some mistakes in you know staying on the fence and like fighting with him there. So I, I don't think I'm gonna bet Buckley, but I, I think I would only lean that way now. If I could have gotten you know Durayev under 200, I think I probably would have taken the the risk because you know Buckley does fight kind of dumb, but I think it's kind of a close fight and. Lastly, I think the, the, the play here is the over one and a half. We spoke about this a little earlier, but I mean, I don't see how this over is at, you know, one and a half. And, you know, you only need to pay minus 150, 145. So that's going to be my bet for this fight. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to tell Ozzy on that one over one and a half because, um, you know, Obviously, this seems like a matchup where striker versus grappler, right? Buckley should have the striking advantage. Uh, Darius should have the wrestling advantage. I think the striking is a bit closer 
then uh you know obviously the grappling the grappling should be you know it could be one takedown and the fight is over for Duraev. uh but Duraev's fight against Kopilov, you know just super confusing fight there right so like like you were saying i bet Duraev there as well i bet him minus three and a half and parlayed his money line um and you know i th- i think he covered it but man he looked like as bad as possible while still covering that price because Round one, he tried to box with, or, and strike with Kopilov, and he had some success. He landed some punches. He looked okay. Round two, he gets dropped with the straight left hand and then starts wrestling. And he wrestles. He gets the takedown. He gets mount. And then he he just smashes Kopilov for like three minutes straight with, with ground and pound. I, I mean, I thought that was like a 10-7 round. Two judges did give a 10-8. And then in round three, after demolishing this guy, being up two rounds, Duryev looks tired. And he's, you know, all of a sudden looking bad. Oh, also. Kopilov like had the doctor come in and they were checking his face. I mean, he had cuts and welts. I mean, he was fucked up after that that round. And then Duraev manages to lose round three and actually gets taken down himself by Kopilov. So his, I mean, if he was gassing out and losing that round three in a fight that he was, you know, winning, I wouldn't say, you know, pretty easily. I mean, he was up 2017 on two scorecards, and he still gassed out. I mean, I think that's a really bad sign for his cardio down the road. And uh, this drive guy, I remember hearing people talk about him when he was in ACA for years. And I remember people that liked him were thinking maybe he got to the UFC a little too late. He did have that really uh, long three-year gap between his ACB fights and his contender series fights. So there's a possibility this guy's best years are behind him. I mean, he is 33. He 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 is a master of uh, a sport in, in Sambo. So, you know, he's been fighting and training for 20, 25 years straight. I mean, there, there's a good chance this guy's best years are behind him. So there's no fucking way you can be playing this guy at minus 240. I think it's Buckley or pass. Um, and Buckley has looked bad on bottom. He got taken down uh, by De Jesus, by Logan Storley, by uh, Al Hassan in round three. And he didn't look really good getting off his back in any of those fights. Um, but on the feet, I think Duraev has, you know, too much confidence in his striking. I don't think this guy's that, that good of a striker. And Buckley could probably give him some issues on the feet. But my main issue with this fight is is that I see anytime Buckley landing some strikes and, you know, maybe hurting Duraev, Duraev's just going to shoot for that takedown. And I, I do see him probably getting those takedowns on Buckley. So Buckley knockout is probably going to be his only way to win. Uh but uh, yeah, I like the over one and a half. Not going to complicate it too much with Beth on this one. Just going to take that over one and a half. I think that uh, Duraev isn't going to really pour it on for a finish in the first half of the fight. And uh, honestly, if it gets over one and a half, Ozzy, it might just go the full distance at that point, too. So we might have to look into playing the fight to just go along over one and a half, starts round three, goes the distance, all that stuff. Um, and I, I guess Duraev decision will probably be my, my gun to my head pick. And that's going to take us next fight, welterweight division. Uh, one of my favorite fighters in the entire roster, Tim the Dirty Bird Beans, taking on one of my least favorite fighters, Kevin Holland. Uh, Kevin Holland minus 280, Tim Means plus 240. Yo, our boy Jonah, Jonah J. Shifty was saying, if you don't like Holland, you know, I don't even know what he said. But, bro, Holland, we're betters. Holland is always the favorite. He's always a minus ev favorite how can you like this guy you know, you know? i mean personality wise fight style wise obviously i mean you you gotta like holland uh but you we can't make money betting on his fights I, I haven't found a way to do it unless we're betting against him i can't be laying minus 600 on holland against uh cowboy Oliver. come on now 
And this is another spot where I'm thinking that Holland is getting overvalued. I mean, he's, I mean, almost a 75% favorite against Tim Means. And looking at Tim Means' career, he's not only on a three-fight win streak, but who was the last guy to look minus 300 against Tim Means? To me, I'd say it was um, Cowboy Oliveira, the guy I was just talking about, five years ago in 2011, where he just took down Means and smashed him on the ground and submitted him. But since then, he's only been in, in um, split decision losses against Bilal and Marais. He was in close fights against Price and Rodriguez before eventually getting finished. I, I just don't see him, uh, you know, being blown out of the water by Kevin Holland. I mean, the striking, I see one guy as the clear better striker. It's Tim Means. I mean, he's a nasty southpaw boxer. He's got good kicks as well. Uh, he's good in the clinch. At, they're throwing elbows and knees in the clinch and punches on the break from the clinch. Um, so, you know, Holland's got a powerful straight right hand. He definitely hurts guys with that punch, but his his striking technique to me is not very good. And then, um, you know, Holland uh, can grapple. He is a, a solid wrestler, but he doesn't really, you know, look to leverage that lately. I mean, he hasn't hit a takedown in a long time. He hit one against Derek Brunson technically, but the last time he took a guy down was Charlie Antiveros. Um, and before that, it was Brendan Allen one time. Like, this guy doesn't... He killed him with that takedown. Yeah, that is true. I mean, he literally, like, killed, like, like uh, separated his neck from his body with that takedown. But Holland doesn't yep. seem to want to grapple as, like, his game plan. He wants to strike. He wants to put on entertaining fights on the feet. And I think that if he does that here versus uh, Tim Means, he's going to be, you know, rudely awakened at how sharp Tim Means still is. I mean, you know, th uh, he hasn't been knocking off the craziest wins as of late. But, you know, Perry and Dalby and Steropoli, they're, they're decent. You know, I think that Means has been looking solid. His cardio is looking fine. Um, he kind of does maybe take round three off a little bit, but, um, I don't know, man, I'm, I'm betting Tim means fuck it. I don't care. It seems like a fight where means is going to be doing really well. And then all of a sudden Holland lands a big strike and knocks him out or finishes him in some stupid fashion. I'm completely okay with that happening, but, um, I just need, I need to bet Tim means here just to say that I did. And I just cannot see Holland covering minus two eighty. So, uh, I'm on, I'm on means here. It was always Kevin Holland. I mean, I was in a bet him early in the week. Uh, it was like it got to 210, and I was I was like I was confident it was getting to like 190. And I even had one of my guys that I work with. He was like, "Oh, like I'll you know I'll give you 200 on um on 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 Kevin Holland, right? Because he wanted plus 200 on 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 means. And I should have took that shit because obviously the market moved the other direction towards the how I capped it. Um, and I just think I mean like. Tim Means, he gets, he's been getting off on, like, these guys that, like, they're fat. Like, they don't even make weight. You know, he's a lot taller than them. This would be, like, the first time ever where he's at a reach disadvantage. Um, and he's mainly a boxer, so you know he's going to want to fire off a lot of those hands. And I think Kevin Holland's got that big right cross, you know, on the counter. Yeah, you say that, you know, his takedowns, blah, blah, blah. He doesn't really want to grapple. But when he does want to grapple, he, he could put a dude down easy. And he'll be able to wrap his arms around, you know, this, you know, Tim Means is real scrawny body and take him to the ground. And on the feet, I mean, even though Tim Means he does have a lot of KOs, like he doesn't have the power, I don't think, to knock out Kevin Holland. Like, you know, our boy uh Kyle Dawkins headbutted Kevin Holland and Kevin Holland, you know, woke back up. That was and, 15 pounds you know, ago though, bro. He's cutting to 170 yeah. now. No, dude, this dude Tim Means does not have that kind of power. So I think it would have to be accumulation. Look, I'm not gonna bet him. 
But I think he was a great bet at like 210, 215, 220. I think he was a good bet at all those prices. And I was going to do it. And then this went right back to where the opener was. Um, you know, that's definitely getting greedy on my end. But I don't really think I missed all that much. Like, I, I, I like, you know, Kevin Holland. I think he's pretty skilled. I think that if he can, um, I think if it's mainly his cardio. Like, if his conditioning holds up at 170, like him able to keep the pace, you know, that he fights at, I think he should be solid. And, from that last fight, you know, that was a pretty energy-filled first round. And he came out in the second round, and I thought he's he still looked good. And he's taking some time. I don't know. What, when was that fight? That was in, like, what, January, February? Uh, yeah, something oh, was like that. March. It was in March. So, you know, he took a little, you know, he's is three months in between. You know, he was able to probably decompress and now get back, you know, cut the weight again to 170. So I'll pick Kevin Holland, but I'm not going to play him. Um, you said something there about the pacing, you know, Holland has never fought past what six minutes at, at welterweight. So, I mean, he's never been a great cardio yeah, guy yeah. at, at, at middleweight necessarily. Like he's not known for pushing a pace or bro. I, I just sure. feel Holland, Holland as a favorite. I mean, this guy just never fights in the most efficient way possible. He always, he, it's like he, he enjoys making the fight more difficult than it should be. Like he's got like a little like early Bobby green vibes um, from the way he fights. Um, so I don't know, bro. I, I love Tim means Tim means has never been in a boring fight. Also, Ozzy, what do you think about the inside the distance here? They have it at minus one Oh five or inside the distance. Doesn't, I mean, it seems like a crazy, you know, it's going to be a crazy pace, right? These guys are going to, you know, both can finish. Bro, I'm liking another. a lot of overs, bro. Really? Are you I don't liking know about the under? I think I think gut does not go the distance minus one oh five on DraftKings is is a bet. Yeah. Like I'm like I try I said, to stay I mean, away from the overs and unders on the main card. I don't know why I just have a bad time picking them. But I just don't think Tim Means is finishing Kevin Holland. No, I mean I don't I don't I don't see it happening either. But I mean I just think it's gonna be a, a, a they're gonna be striking. It? It's gonna be a high intensity. Remember fight. remember too. Holland is from Texas, and this is in Texas. That's true. Not, um, and then where's where's Means from? Like Kansas or something? Um, co-main event time. Uh, we talked about this fight before. It was supposed to happen uh, at a pay per view or two ago. Uh, you know, devastating cancellation there. We got Joe J. Lau Lozon taking on Donald Cowboy Cerrone. The odds for this one: Cerrone minus one fifty five. Uh, Lozon plus 135. I bet Lozon like plus 160 the first time. That price is obviously gone. Um, the books, you know, cleaned up on this one, you know, avoided a lot of uh, a lot of liability there. So uh, your turn to start this one off. What are you thinking? Any, anything changed in, in the past month or two since the fight was first announced? No, just, um, yeah, I mean, some stuff has changed. I mean, the fact that Donald Cerrone, I think the last like two weeks, he's been in Thailand. Um, that's weird. Or like he went over to like film a movie with like Rampage Jackson. Um, doesn't seem uh that smart to me. Really ideal. And I mean, I'm I'm interested in again in the uh in the um Joe Lozon side because I mean Joe Lozon his issue has never been you know putting out potent offense right you know landing you know big KO strikes or you know any you know any of that right. If you look at the Jonathan Pierce fight. Right. You see that this dude, you know, he's still coming out. He still got pretty good timing. You know, he's throwing good shots. He's he's hitting. He's threatening with both hands. Right. Which is big as well. 
I think he he hurts him with like his right hand and his left, right, a hook and a cross. Um, and then right when he goes to to grappling, like Lozan is not interested in like laying praying, right? Like he's more like a Glover to share a kind of grappler than like Atalia Santos. Like once he gets the fight to the ground, like he's looking to land in a dominant position. He's looking to get to the dominant position, and then he's looking to drop fucking bombs on you. But vice versa, on the feet, he encourages that kind of fight. Like he doesn't have filler in his uh, in his game. Like he does not have variance blockers. So that's why. You know, all his fights you've seen, like, either he gets fucking finished or you get finished. Like, he's got a fight-ending mentality until you end him, you know, himself, which is, uh, which I love and is, like, how I like MMA. Like, I like, you know, hey, look, this is my fastball. If you can hit it, cool. If not, um, you know, let's, see, like, you know, you're going to finish me, which, you know, I, I, I think it's kind of fun. So, I mean, I think I'm still going to play Joe Lowe's on Moneyline, but, you know, I'm trying trying to just try to find like a good prop but because they're taking away the value from the props like i'm just gonna end up playing a money line because cowboy's head's just not in the game you know he's going down to 155 i think he's brittle he's already brittle he's he's proven to be brittle in you know in this weight class um the damage that he's taken at 170 has not helped that every fight that he had at 170 since his last 155 fight has been fucking brutal right the the the, the nico price fight the uh the uh the, the Robbie Lawler Robbie Lawler fight Morono, you know, Anthony Pettis even's kicking him in his dome. You know, all these fights were 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 uh, damaging fight Matt Brown, all those fights. And you know, he's coming back down to 155. So, you know, I think that Joe Lozon, you know, New England has not been doing that great. But co main event, main event, you know, they got the Boston Celtics in the finals. The US Open is in Boston this weekend. I think it's just a Massachusetts inspired weekend here. And I, I'm going to go with Joe Lozon to finish Cabo Cerrone. I don't know how it is. Like, I don't know. I, it's probably not going to be by submission, you know, because Cowboy, he actually only has one submission loss on his record. He actually has 17 submissions, which is kind of wild that he has that many. But I just don't think his head is in the game. I think he's going to get bombed on early. Like, his defense, his reflexes, his motor is just not all there. You know, especially early. That's why people like that angle in the first place. Um, you know, he does get settled in a little bit as the fight goes on. And it's perfect for this fight because he needs to be good late to beat Joe Lozon, but fuck that. Fuck Donald Cerrone. He's getting iced here. He looks he looks brittle, dude. He does not look good. He's going, he's traveling with Sasha Palatnikov to be his main <laughs> training partner in Thailand. Like ben I don't watched. know what he's thinking. Bro, so, look at think about Sasha Palatnikov's ground game, bro. Come on. Like I think Joe Lozon's coming. I think Joe Lozon's pissed as well that he had to delay this fight as well. So I hope he fucking rips off Donald Cerrone's head. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm in agreement with mostly everything. I, I haven't considered betting Lozon again, but I mean, I it's only plus one forty instead of plus one sixty. Might just have to do it. Um, and then what his inside the distance? I think the first time it was plus three hundred. What is it now? Plus two seventy five. So. About the same. Uh, I mean, I didn't know that about Lozon or I mean, Cerrone in Thailand. Looking at his Instagram, yeah, like late May to maybe June seventh, this dude was in fucking Thailand. It's like May thir May thirty first. Yeah, to filming a movie. I think he got back like June seventh or eighth. I mean, that's a twenty hour flight. I mean, he's probably fine by now. Um, but I mean, the the toll of traveling back and forth and everything like that, you know. And and just like he's what kind of food is fucking cowboy eating in Thailand? Exactly. Bro? Um. 
hanging out with Rampage Jackson, who's looking big. I don't know if you saw And uh, yeah, Lozon, good point about yeah him being like, a little pissed off that fight got canceled. I mean, yeah, Cerrone, what, what do you have? Like an upset stomach or something like that? And Cerrone couldn't fight? You know, food yeah, like, what the fu- like, yeah, a few hours before, like you three hours before, bro, bro you can't eat. Cerrone said this multiple times. He said every before every fight, it's like you get that you know sick feeling in your stomach and you're thinking i'll do anything not to fight though you know if anything if they cancel the fight right now that'd be cool with me like he clearly still has a lot of nerves around this shit and you know being on a six fight losing streak getting knocked out left and right he he cut weight down to 155 last month and he's got to do that again now i mean these weight cuts ain't getting any easier for old man Cerrone here so the, the the read stays the same. I mean, we we talked a little bit more about the our read our you know pure matchup reads last last time around. Um, now we're going a little bit more narrative based with just you know endorsing Lozon. But Lozon starts fast. You know, he comes out, he throws punches at Cerrone. You know, his chin is not good. The weight cut, if you can get at him early and land some punches, you'll make him uncomfortable. And like you said, Joe Lozon goes for the kill. That's all he knows how to do is kill. This man has never won a round in top position where he wasn't just going for the kill. He doesn't, it's just not in his nature. I mean, he he hunts next. He, he finds a finish any way he can. And let's hope he does it again this Saturday night. Uh, Joe Lowe is on one of my favorite fighters of all time. Uh, you know, got a lot of respect for Cerrone too, but he's just so far down the road. You can't be, you can't be putting any faith in him at this point. So um, that'll take us to the main event. Men's featherweight division, Josh Emmett taking on Calvin Cater. Calvin Cater, the favorite, minus 230. Josh Emmett, plus 195. Great matchmaking here. Uh, you know, two top five type of, of uh, featherweights. And, you know, two really exciting strikers, boxers. I mean, this seems like a fight that, that you know, 90% chance of being entertaining, exciting. I mean, I can't really see this one being boring. I mean, maybe if Cater uh, just, you know, jabs him to a 50-45, it could be boring. But, I mean, these guys are boxers. You know, Emmett has some of the best power of anybody in the UFC. And Cater is, you know, uh, probably one of the top 10 boxers in all the UFC and just an incredible boxer overall. Um, and, you know, Ozzy, I think we both bet and cash on these guys in their last fights. You know, we bo- both got a lot of love for them. Um, but in this, it's a whole new matchup here. And uh, to me, you know, the line seems close to right. I'd say, you know, maybe Cater minus 200, Emmett plus 170 seems about more accurate. So I did put in a bet on Emmett early in the week a couple days ago, plus 205. I feel okay about it. I feel like, um, I feel like, you know, Emmett, obviously, he's a knockdown type of guy. He's going to need knockdowns to likely win this, these rounds and these fights because, you know, the more voluminous puncher is definitely Cater. Uh, the guy with the better jab is Cater. He throws out more strikes. So it's going to be difficult for Emmett to win these rounds without getting those big knockdowns. Um, and Cater is historically insanely durable. This dude has, I don't know if he's ever been hurt with a punch in his life. I mean, he ate 100 or 500 punches versus Max Holloway and never really went down. Uh, Burgos landed some bombs on him. I mean, he's been in a lot of tough fights, and uh, his chin is just absolutely insane. I saw one statistic. I don't know. I forget who who uh, posted it, but it was something like um, in Emmett's entire U- uh, here it is in Emmett's entire UFC career, he's landed 513 significant strikes and has 11 knockdowns in those those strikes. So 513 strikes total, 11 knockdowns. Cater in his past two fights has absorbed 573 strikes and hasn't been knocked down at all. So 
I mean, Emmett's had 10 fights in the UFC and he's only landed 513 strikes while Cater has absorbed more than that in his past two alone. So, um, I got to say for Cater, you know, people were concerned. Oh, is he going to be the same after that Max Holloway beating? Could it be a life changing beating? He, he looked fucking better. He looked better against Giga than he did before that fight. So, I mean, Cater is, you know, a magnificent fighter, you know, big fan of the guy. Um, and, you know, let's talk about the decision, the cardio here. Uh, Cater win the five rounds multiple times, obviously lost to Holloway, but he did win two five round decisions over Giga in his last fight over Dan Ige. That's a good five round win. Um, he knocked out Burgos in round three. So I think he's got really solid cardio, uh, has never really gassed out in a fight. He was building in the Zabit fight for sure would have won that fight if it went for the full five rounds. Um, so, you know, Cater has never shown cardio issues at all. Emmett hasn't really shown glaring cardio issues, but I definitely don't think he's a proven cardio commodity in the same way that Cater is. Obviously, has never been the full five rounds. And, uh, you know, that's got to be a big advantage for Cater here. So he's the more voluminous puncher. He's better cardio. Uh, probably, you know, I don't know who's more durable. Both these guys are insanely durable. Um, and, you know, even though this one should be a, a, a crazy back and forth fight or they're going to be in their face the entire time boxing each other's ears off, I really do think it does go to the decision and go later into the fight into the fourth and fifth round. And we're probably going to see a Calvin Cater, you know, 48, 47 here, 49, 47. Six, but um you know maybe emmett can pull off something uh and you know get a few extra knockdowns that i'm not expecting and, and win the fight but it, it's going to be a crazy barn burner boxing fight can't wait for it great main event um but I, I don't feel so hot about my emmett bet honestly yeah i mean i i looked at this fight a, a good bit you know I, I i always keep up with the 145 class a lot and i mean i kind of like emmett here a bit just because i think you know yeah cater looked good against giga but I feel like Josh Emmett would have fucked Giga up as well. Like, I think he would have tracked him down with his hands eventually, you know, and put a licking on him. So, you know, I think that Cater, good on him that he took that fight and, you know, good good fight to get back and how he uh, how he um, performed overall. But, I mean, you know, he was just, I mean, at a certain point in that fight, he was just walking forward on Giga and, like, he didn't care about any of the punches that were going and getting thrown at him. And I think that will not have work against Emmett for his power, like you mentioned. And I just feel like Emmett, I mean, the fact that he, like, this is going to be a boxing match on the Cater side. Like, I don't think Cater could really take down Emmett very much. And he doesn't throw any, like, any kicks at all. Or, like, he's mixed up some front kicks here and there. But I feel like Emmett's pretty smooth, actually, when he when he gets, like, his rhythm going. And I think his cardio is actually, I mean, because, like, commentators like Joe Rogan, literally talk about it like the whole time you know he's fighting and like they're oh man he's loading up on that one and like yo he how is he gonna keep that up for five three or five whatever you know people think that automatically that he can't you know fight later on but i mean his best round against ige was round three and cater he wasn't like even though he finished strong against giga i mean his defense was non-existent in those last like two rounds and it didn't matter because giga did not have the power to finish him but if you look at him, he's, like, just walking into the pocket. You know, he's, like, bouncing in there, letting punches bounce off his head. And is like, okay, cool. And then he just, like, goes into, like, you know, throwing three elbows for every one straight giga throws. And I'm not sure that's going to work here. They got the big cage here as well, which I think gives Emmett a little bit more room to navigate. 
So, I mean, I prefer the Emmett side. I would not lay this kind of chalk on Cater just because I think you'll get a chance to get a good Cater line live because I think Emmett's going to come out pretty good here. Like, you know, I think he's a strong a start hot, and I think we can see some, you know, split rounds, like first one or two rounds. So I would just play Emmett pre-fight and then anticipate, you know, the, the line tightening. But, um, you know, I'll pick Emmett to win. So, you know, I don't know how. But I just think the odds are a little disrespectful for him. I like what you just said, uh, the split rounds. I think the early rounds will likely be split. And then, you know, it'll it'll probably get a little more decisive as it goes on. But early on, I think it will be, you know, really yeah, close. Yeah, it's going to be close. And, you know, Emmett's not backing down. He, I don't think Cater's going to be able to get off as much offense as he wants to here. And, uh, I mean, I just think these are close riders. And you got to remember, too, even though Giga got, took all those shots from Cater, Cater also took all those shots from Giga. And between his last two fights, Cater, uh, he's been in two absolute wars for 10 rounds. So that could catch up to you eventually. But either way, I just think that uh, Emmett, I think he's focused. He's trying to break into this, like, into this realm. And, you know, I think this is like the zigzag. Like, you bet Holloway versus Cater. Then you bet, you know, Cater versus Giga. Now you bet fucking Emmett versus Cater. And you end up coming out ahead. And um, what about uh, Emmett mixing in a takedown? Do you think that could be possible here? Yeah, I mean, I think he could wrestle here, but I don't think he's in that hold down cater at all. No, I don't think so. so but it could be like a, a, a moment stealing round. Yeah, I don't know sort, what, you know, what what's that be... cater round. F- I don't know, like what a late cater, you know, prop is. Probably two thousand at least. No, no, no. Cater round four plus two thousand. Round oh, wow. five plus twenty five hundred. Yeah, I would rather play that, and you know, I'd rather play Emmett and then that. You know what I mean? So. I yeah. think round four, round five, Cater or Emmett, you know, just wins overall. But they're giving, I mean, they're giving Cater, I guess they're giving them this, giving Cater the same. All right. Yeah, cool. Yeah. All good. Yeah. Um, Time for our best bet parlay of the week. Um, I have mine in mind. Ozzy, you have yours in mind? Yeah, uh, but you go first. Go ahead. All right. I'm going with some chalk. Oh, no. It's going to be Jasmine. Going Jasmine, Jasmine. I hope I didn't steal yours. No, no way. All right. I mean, minus two thirty DraftKings. Awesome, great. I love it. Um, I mean, if you're going chalk, yeah. Oh, some of these lines have moved since we started recording. Like all, all the favorites, like Yana's, um, uh, Ramos. Um, yeah. So for best bet, I'm gonna go with that over that we were talking about between Duraev. And uh, and 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 Buckley, so either minus one fifty, minus one forty five, both available. So uh, yeah, that'll be my pick. Nice. I don't. I don't have the uh, exact calculations. I'll, I'll do it right now because I'd like to give out the, like what it comes probably. out to. I would say. I would say so too. Maybe plus even like plus one ten. So let me see. We got Jasmine minus two thirty, and then we got the over one and a half. It's minus one fifty five on DraftKings. It actually, comes out to plus one thirty six. Mm. Plus one thirty six on the over one and a half. Buckley Duraev, and then Jasmine, Jazz Davidius money line. I like it. I like it. Um, I have three good. bets so far already already tracked. I have uh, Kelly, Emmett, and Guram, and I'll likely add a few more. All dogs so far though. So. Got to incorporate some favorites. Yeah, I think I'm gonna I add. I, like... I think I'm gonna have some 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 better action than I've been having the last two weeks. I think I'm gonna load up a little bit more. 
Um, but that'll do it. Went an hour and a half this week, but you know, we got 14 good fights. We're going to talk more about good fights, obviously. So, uh, hope you all enjoy the podcast. Hope you all win some bets. Thank you all for listening and supporting. Make sure you're liking, subscribing to the YouTube channel and, uh, hope you all win some bets this weekend. We'll see you all before the next UFC event next week. Peace out. Thank you.